You're now listening to Sound Talent Media. Check out more shows at SoundTalentMedia.com. Shopify grows your business no matter how far or big you grow. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. Whether you're selling your fans' next favorite shirt or an exclusive piece of podcast merch, Shopify helps you sell everywhere. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S. Allbirds, Rothy's, Brooklinen, and millions of other entrepreneurs of every size across 175 countries. Plus, Shopify's award-winning help is there to support your success every step of the way. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash income, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash income now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Hey, what's up, Vox and Hops heads? I'm Matt, the vocals of Cryptopsy, and you're listening to my podcast, Vox and Hops, brought to you by Sound Talent Media, where I sit down with fellow metal musicians to talk about their lies, music, and craft beer. I hope you guys have been having a great week. I have been having an excellent time. Last night was the first time in a very long time that I didn't host a Thirsty Thursday virtual hang, and I gotta tell you that I felt strange and weird. Uh, Thirsty Thursdays are not finished. They are just going to become something different. It is going to become a monthly hang where I host a live interview with one of the Vox and Hops alumni who are some of the previous guests that have been on the podcast. I'm super stoked about this. The first live interview, Thirsty Thursday virtual hang, will be happening on October 1st, and my guest shall be Danny Marino, who was the very first Vox and Hops guest ever. Of The Agonist, I am super stoked about this, and you should be too. This starts at 8 p.m. Send me a message via social media if you would like the link. This is a private event, but if you are cool and worthy, I shall invite you. On today's episode, I am with Chris Dodge, who writes a column for Decibel Magazine called No Corporate Beer. He's also in a very cool craft beer-themed band called Trappist. Here it is. This is Vox and Hops, episode number 182. I warn you, what you are about to hear is very disturbing indeed. Hey, what's up, everyone? Today, I am with Chris Dodge of Trappist. He also has the podcast, Hour of the Barbarian. He has the No Corporate Beer column in Decibel. Uh, How are you doing, Chris? It's uh, great to to finally catch up with you. Yeah, well, very good. Cheers. Let me show you the... uh that looks good. Show you the, the chalice right there. What you got in that? What what what, what are you tasting mm. right there? This is um, this is from Brewery West. They're in San Pedro, which is near Long Beach, which is in the greater LA area. Uh, they've been around for. Oh. Let me get the label Very there. Cool. Yeah, but it's uh, it's an IPA because I'm from California. I drink IPAs. It's a West Coast IPA. Um, it's got citrus mosaic centennial hops. It's pretty uh, pretty straightforward. Pretty awesome. Pretty much your traditional West Coast style. A little bit skunky. Perfect. That hop bite. Which I which I'm into. Mm-hmm. Yes. So you're, you're 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 not into the whole haze craze. I'm okay with it. I, I'm not I'm not an anti hazer or anything <laughs> by any means. I like them, but um, I think the one 
Probably the the craze that bothers me is the whole milkshake, like the milkshake IPA thing. Like it's it's okay. Like as a taster, I'm all right with. I want to try it, but I can't commit to like a 16 ounce of something like that. And there's been times when, because you know, I always try and support all local breweries, and if I, especially now, you know, in, in these times when they're all struggling, and so I go out and I just buy a little of everything from everybody locally. Although there have been a few times where I get something home and I look at it and I'm like, blueberry milkshake IPA? Fuck. <laughs> like, I have to drink this whole thing? Damn it. So, so you're definitely not on team team lactose. Yeah. <laughs> I'm okay with it. I prefer my lactose in a stout as opposed to an IPA, but, you know. Just, I have to give a huge shout out to a Vox and Hops Thirsty Thursday gang member, uh, Dan Delajnikar. I hope I'm pronouncing your name <laughs> properly, Dan. He is actually the the person that told me that I should hook up with you. He was like, you, you, oh, I nice. can't believe you haven't had him on the podcast yet. So uh, shout out to Dan. And nice. also a shout out to another Vox and Hops Thirsty Thursday uh, gang member, uh, Jorge Villanueva, actually hooked me up with this brew that I'm about to drink which I've never had before, so I'm going to crack it. And uh, oh, nice. as I'm cracking, I'm going to ask you a question. I'll pour it out, and then we'll cheers together. Okay. Is, uh, All right. Let's just start very simple. Take me on your... your. Do you remember your first beer, Chris? Um, first good beer or first beer? First beer. We'll make our way gradually to the good stuff. <laughs> to the good stuff. Okay. First beer, I want to say, was probably, probably a Coors. No, it was an Oli. It's an Olympia. When I was maybe about 13, and uh, it was when my, when my mom got married to my stepdad, so it was her second marriage, and they got married, my, and my stepdad was a firefighter, and all the firemen all like their Oli, and, uh, and so they got married just at this little rec center, and we were hanging out, and all the firemen were like, hey, yeah, come on, Chris, have one of these, have your Oli, and like, okay, cool, like, they, they wanted me to drink, I'm like, okay, it's, it's cool, and I wanted to drink. And I thought it would be cool, but I, I couldn't even finish it. As, as cool as I thought it was, once I tasted how horrible it was, <laughs> I, I just kind of like, oh, maybe I'm supposed to like this. So I kept choking it down, and I'd, I'd be surprised if I made it even halfway through. I, I, and I just left it on a table and walked away. So, <laughs> yeah. So, so, so you know, beer is a acquired taste, especially when you're young <laughs> especially yeah when you're young and when the beer itself is terrible so i was a, i hope um, it was cold at least yeah <laughs> so this is uh the beer i have over here on my side is a bellwoods brewery from toronto this is their donkey venom it's a barrel aged dark sour ale uh, I'm very excited to try this. The Donkey Venom is a rich, dark ale with bright levels of acidity. Clocks in at a 8.5%. Perfect for a uh, chat, chat with Chris Dodge. Uh, so let's do a cheers and see how this goes. Very good. Cheers. Mm, that's so cool. It's definitely got that astringent, acidy bite, uh, <laughs> complex barrel sour. Love it. Love it. Thank you, Jorge. Thank you so, so much. Uh, take me to that uh, craft beer journey. How did, how did you make your way from leaving that Oli on the table to uh, <laughs> being a, a, craft, a craft beer, uh, you know, almost uh, you're like a master at level at this point. So, so it, it was a long journey, I'm sure. So, but I want to hear this journey. Well, it was actually, it was just like a big jump from not drinking anything at all to 
getting turned on to craft beer. And that was all because of Dave Whitty. Really? Shout out to Dave all, all Dave Whitty. Shout out Absolutely. to Dave Whitty. Absolutely. Yeah, for sure. Here. Yeah. Yeah. So I was friends with Dave since, I don't know, whenever, early 90s, I think. And um, so whenever, you know, he was on tour, I'd, I'd see him on the West Coast or, you know, vice versa. I'd see him on the East Coast. I'd go out there. Um, but I didn't really... Actually, kind of going back to that Oli that was left on the table, um, I I was actually a late bloomer when it came to drinking at all. You know, I was your I wasn't your typical uh, you know teenager who like was totally like determined to party no matter what. I was actually pretty picky, <laughs> and so we you know all the beer and wine and whatever that I had up to that point was also terrible. That I was just like, nah, that's all right, y'all pass. So I really didn't drink, you know, it was like occasionally I had some shitty like wine coolers or something with <laughs> friends of mine, or I'd have something here and there, which I'd just take a sip of, but I just wasn't a big drinker. And it wasn't until probably my thirties that I started drinking regularly. And I chalked that up to, I hadn't had anything good up until that point, you know? And, um, and actually the, the gateway beer for me was uh it was when i was hanging out with dave he was on tour with melt banana so it was like probably 2001 2002 something like that and i i grew up in the san francisco bay area and i moved down here to la in 2001 it was soon after i moved down here and and so melt banana was on tour they're coming down the coast and you know i'd always known that dave was a beer guy and you know it was just one of those things and he, they had come, since they'd come down the West Coast, they were in Portland a couple days before. And he was telling me about, like, he was geeking out on all this, like, really cool stuff that he'd, he'd gotten. And I didn't really have a frame of reference to it. I'm like, that's cool. And he had, and he had this, uh, he had, like, a growler. It's the first time I've ever seen a growler. And he had a growler that he'd gotten from Hair of the Dog in Portland. And, he's, and I can't remember specifically what, what beer was, but he's, he was going on and on about like how special it was. He's just like, I got to share this with you. This is so awesome. And, and I was like, thank you. I really appreciate it, but I, I don't want you to waste it on me. Like, if it's that good, I don't want you to waste it on me because I'm not, I'm not really into beer. I, you know, I, I really appreciate the thought, but it's, it's, I'm fine. He's just like, he was insistent. He's like, no, we're all trying this. So um, all of us who were sitting in this this room, he poured us all a taster of it, and that was like the that was the gateway the right there. The I had to have God, just, like, just like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's true. And we're like, oh shit! Like this is really good. Like I would drink this. Like who knew? <laughs> who knew there's there's beer out in the world that you would actually want to drink? So. What style was it? What what? Uh, I want to say it was probably something like a strong ale or. Something along those lines, probably something more, you know, I, I I would I would guess like a gateway beer would probably be more sweet, something more kind of, you know, more like caramely, Belgian, something Belgian, like that. Know, Dave, so, Dave yeah. is really into the whole Belgian style, so yeah, so it was most likely something like that. I'm sure it wasn't very bitter, so you know, very cool, very cool. And then how quickly did it become just an obsession from that hand of God beer? Well, yeah, <laughs> it was. Um, and then in the following years, just every time he'd come to town, because I didn't know anybody who was into good beer or knew anything about it. So I was just kind of, for me, it was just like shot in the dark. 
at that point, and I just go to bigger stores. Like uh, here, there's there's a um, a chain called Bevmo, which is you know like liquor supermarket sort of place, and you know they carried craft beers and they carry like the the early sort of you know like uh, Green Flash and Stone and whatever, just kind of the basics or what are now considered the basics, Ale Smith stuff like that. But um, so I would just kind of randomly pick up stuff from there and pick up Belgian beers and, and just pick up whatever and try it. And uh, whenever Dave would come to town, he's usually because he was touring more and more often once he joined Municipal Waste. So he'd come through town a couple times a year and every time he came to town made a point of, OK, I'm going to buy a whole bunch of beer. And we're going to get together. And he always had a bunch of stuff in, in their bus. And so we just it just gradually I started kind of figuring out and, and learning but it's mostly from dave you definitely give him credit for that's it. crazy that's that's yeah. very very interesting <laughs> yeah and it, and it took it took a long time because i mean obviously there was internet but there wasn't as many you know, as the years go by there's more and more resources and at that time it, it still wasn't like craft beer wasn't a thing it wasn't like the super like geekdom sort of you know sort of thing like it like it became in this past decade so it's like the the early days of tape training metal back then yeah i had this yeah. beer dude you have to train you yeah yeah the, that's totally the true. only way to get it is to go there <laughs> yeah it's true and i was it, it's funny because that that really is kind of parallel to my i mean my musical upbringing too because i you know i'm not really a metal guy per se i as more i grew up in like more of like a punk hardcore scene sort of thing but it was all it was still that tape trading circuit of the 80s and it was a lot of just that's how you find out about bands is you, you're trading uh demos and live shows and practice tapes and stuff like that everyone you mail your lists to each other so and cool. go through and then you just fill up a couple tapes and send them back and forth and yeah, I mean, is is the same thing, and obviously there's crossover with the, uh, you know, the the punk hardcore bands and the metal bands, and you know, and then eventually music became crossover, you know. <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, and and that's you know the earlier kind of extreme metal bands like you know the the basics like um, you know Slayer and Exodus and Venom and and things like that. Like I liked it because it was fast and it was. You know, it wasn't as like cock rock as you know what what I a lot of people um, you know interpreted as being metal. So uh, yeah, it's a journey, right? We had to go through hair metal to get somewhere. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> what about when you were young? What would have been like the soundtrack of your youth? What music did your parents or guardians listen to when you were not in control of the radio? Mostly because I I grew up in the seventies, and so um, it was a lot of just AM radio. Um, and just like classic hits of the seventies, which I still totally love, like all the you know Eagles and Fleetwood Mac and and uh, you know Steely Dan and and uh, just you know disco, Elton John, just what was on, what was top forty at the time. Um, you know, I, I grew up listening to a lot of that, and then actually the game changer for me was. Um, I don't know, do you know who Paul Lind is? I do not, sadly, no. He he, he was uh, kind of a comedian from the 60s and 70s, and he was on uh, this this early game show called Hollywood Squares. He was the center square, and he was always like the witty, 
you know, a flamboyant guy who had like those like witty one-liners to you know snappy answers to everyone's um, everyone's questions. Um, but he had this Halloween special on, and it was uh, was a I think it was 1976. It was a Poland Halloween special, and he was on there with the, all these characters from these uh, Sid and Marty Croft uh, children's shows. So there's Witchy Poo, who's this witch, and all these other creatures and stuff. And so it was this, you know, just dumb, like, kids' Halloween special. But the musical guest was Kiss. Awesome. And for me, that was like, whoa. <laughs> like, that was mind-blowing, you know, in my, whatever, my seven-year-old brain to see Kiss on TV. Like, immediately, I was like, yeah, Kiss. <laughs> this is the shit. And I remember my parents taking me to a record store. And my mom saying, okay, Chris, you can get any record that you want. You can pick pick anyone you want and we'll buy it for you. I'm like, cool. So I go over to the Kiss section. I'm going through. I'm looking at... I'm looking... I, I'm not familiar with them at all. I'm seven. <laughs> and so I'm looking at all the covers. And I'm just like, whoa. Looking at Kiss Alive. There's just like fire in the background. I'm like, wow. <laughs> this is so cool. <laughs> and my mom came over and she saw me look at him. She's like, oh, Kiss? You like Kiss? And... I'm seven, so like immediately I'm shamed and I just embarrassed. I looked up at her, I'm like, no. And I put it back and I bought a Guardian Marie album oh, instead. Oh, no. So, <laughs> but, uh, but soon after that, um, I got up the courage and, you know, very soon I, I got my first Kiss album. And uh, yeah, I was, I was way into Kiss for years. And then from there, kind of got into. Uh, like hard rock bands like ACDC and Van Halen and stuff like that. Well, we had to go through Kiss too, and who knows where where the the metal scene would be without them being innovators, inspiring so many theatrics on stage. Oh yeah, look at all the all the metal bands now wearing makeup. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's, it's all Kiss. <laughs> 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 uh, t- take me to to Trappist. What what came first? Uh, having a a a beer themed column somewhere or writing about beer or playing in a beer themed band? Um, the, uh, well, the beer writing came later. Um, actually, I only, I think I only started writing about beer because, uh, because Albert had hit me up and, um, he'd asked me if I wanted to start doing reviews. And, um, and then when Adam quit doing the column, um, he asked me if I wanted to take over the column and like, Oh, totally. Sure. Um, <laughs> it's big shoes to fill, but, um, you know, like, like you, um, in the days when, when all of us were touring, um, every city I go to every country, that's immediately what you're, you're researching in advance. And when you get there, it's like, you just want to try everything and, and meet as many people as you can and learn as much as you can about the, about the culture and I mean you, you know I love beer but for me the the most rewarding part is meeting everybody and and it's just there's there's just a social aspect to to brew culture that is that that's what makes it cool and that's what I think is really the parallel to underground music is that you know most of the brewers I know I mean there's a few guys who are assholes but most of them 
are really cool and they support each other and they're very you know much like you know i i, I compare you, you have these collaboration brews which to me is the same as like a band doing a split record you know it's the same deal it's like hey i like what you do you're fans of ours let's do something together and there's very much that that camaraderie you know i think i went off I went off base from what you asked me. But. That's perfect. No, that's perfect. You, you yeah. brought up a very good point to that I, I totally agree upon, uh, hence the metal and craft beer theme podcast. But I think you hit the nail right in the head that uh, craft beer and beer in general brings people together and encourages conversation because I am very introverted. And I was for a very long time, except when I would go to craft beer bars and I would be everyone's friend. I would just start talking to everyone and everyone would want to talk back to me. And that's when I got my gears uh, turning in my head. Uh, when, 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 so, so tell me, when, when you were asked to start writing columns, had you written before or was this? Yeah, I'd, I'd written a lot in the past. I used to, um, kind of in the late 80s and mostly throughout the 90s I wrote a lot for I started out writing for Maximum Rock and Roll oh cool and and then I wrote for Flipside for a while I wrote for a bunch of at that time I was trying to be kind of a music journalist of sorts so I was writing for a bunch of um, you know independent publications and and I worked at some other record labels and so I worked as a publicist and so by virtue of that, I was talking to a lot of people at publications. So as I was talking to them, I'd be like, oh, hey, you know, I was thinking of, you know, I'd pitch them ideas on, on like writing, you know, little feature, featurettes and whatnot. So, um, but I used to write, um, for Maximum Rock and Roll, I wrote a lot of, um, just record reviews and did, you know, band interviews and just kind of helped out with the magazine. But, I mean, that's really what helped me tie in with a lot of the, the underground scene. It was like, I was the only guy on the magazine who liked extreme music. So, anything that anything cool that came in, they gave to me. Like, oh, Fear God record? Here you go. Here's, oh, the fr first AC 7-inch? Oh, this is terrible. Here, you can have it. <laughs> you know? Like, oh, I Hate God uh, demo cassette? No, this sounds like you. You take this one. So, it's like, you know, from the very beginning, I just... It was just like right place at the right time, and so I, you know, I, I was already that person who would be that pen pal who'd try and reach out to people and connect and whatever. But this really kind of helped me expand that exponentially just by having access to way more music coming in from around the world that otherwise I wouldn't, I wouldn't have heard at the time. So. That's really cool, and you didn't have to wait for that tape trade. <laughs> the tape, the tapes yeah, were coming yeah. to you. <laughs> It's true. And and so everything that was like heavy or noisy or fast or whatever that basically wasn't pop punk or, <laughs> you know, because that, that was a climate at the time was like hardcore was done. You know, anything aggressive wasn't cool. It was all, um, you know, bands like Fugazi and, and just like, you know, which, you know, respect Fugazi, but it was all like everyone in the hardcore scene was acting like they had moved on and like, oh, <laughs> You still listen to, to fast music? That's so cute. <laughs> yeah, it's just like really, really condescending. And I'm like, what? No, I, I, <laughs> I like hardcore. Yeah. That's it. Yeah, I like grindcore. I like noisecore. I like you know all this stuff. To take me to when when you you had that conversation with Albert and 
you you were going to take over brutal truth turn it into no corporate beers uh where you 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 mentioned that he had big shoes to fill what did you what steps did you take to make it your own and not just be a continuation yeah i i wasn't really sure where to go and you know albert just basically gave me free reign he didn't he didn't give me he really didn't give me any parameters he just said you know you'll find your voice eventually just just do it that's awesome just yeah just do it and so um because he knew that i traveled a lot and that was just kind of my that beer was my thing my hobby my obsession and and uh i think he just knew that okay well it'll be interesting because you're going to be in in japan and you're going to be in belgium you're going to be in the uk you're going to be you know, wherever traveling around the country and in different parts and and you'll meet these people and talk about the beer and talk about the scenes and talk about the you know other people in the music you know music biz who are involved in beer and vice versa and yeah and and he was right you know at first i i, I wasn't really sure what I should be focusing on. I think when I first started writing the column, I was trying to cram as much information as possible in there. Whereas I, I think I learned after a while to kind of back off. And it's like, you know, even though I want it, I want, I'm excited about everything and I want, I want to like condense it all and tell everybody about everything at once. It, it makes it much better reading if you just kind of, okay, just, just pick like one or two key things to focus on and just have that be like the, the the focus of that month's column and you could always come back and talk about something else that's really awesome but um yeah i mean especially this year has really flipped the script on <laughs> on stuff to talk about because I'm, I'm not traveling anywhere but there's there's plenty to write about you know there's and just events in the news have have given way to to things right you have all the covid themed beers talking about supporting independent breweries because because of covid with all them you know on the at initially uh especially that first month in in uh in march when everything was shutting down everyone was panicking like shit how are we gonna how are we gonna stay in business and, and just that struggle of of keeping their their businesses alive and uh then all the you know all the racial tensions and everything that's been going on since the george floyd incident and and uh, just focusing on black-owned breweries, you know, another subject that I hadn't really consciously thought about. And then, you know, at that time when, you know, Black Lives Matter was emphasized and they're talking about black-owned businesses. And I looked it up. I'm like, well, you know, I didn't think about it one way or another. I'm like, how many black-owned breweries are there? I'm like, well, shit, there's 60 of them. I had no idea. And that, that's just in the U.S. I'm like, cool. Yeah. Right on. <laughs> it, it is really interesting to watch because artists and musicians always wear uh, their their political or social uh, beliefs on their sleeves, and now breweries get the chance to do that too. I, I think it's really interesting with the, with the yeah. all together and the Black is Beautiful now collab that's been uh, mm-hmm. going around throughout the breweries. Yeah. I think it's very very interesting that that brewers now because there's no flagship beers. Uh, they, they can just make any beer that they want and yeah. they can support a movement with that. I think that's very interesting. Yeah. Actually, it's interesting that you say that. I hadn't really thought about that, but the, just the fact that you said there's no flagship beers, which is is true. I mean, there's some that are out there, but 
Yeah, it, it's the the craft beer scene has morphed into this thing where you don't want a flagship beer. You, you, you have to you have to stay sexy. You have to, <laughs> you have to have like every couple of weeks. You have to have like something new. You gotta be. You gotta you be know? a new life. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's true. It's true. I never thought about it in those terms, but it, that's totally true. I, I think that you know, like the Piney, the Elder, the, the, there will never be another one like that. Just like there'll probably right. never be another Metallica. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, a heady chopper. It's true. People, a... <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. No, people still want Pliny. I can. It, that's that's that one is pretty interesting because it's only in the last year that I've been able to get it with some regularity. And and think how long that beer has been mm-hmm. around. It's been a it's been a long ass time. You know, it's <laughs> like I I don't know for sure, but I want to say at least twenty years. Maybe maybe it's closer to fifteen, but it's been around a long time, and it's been sought after for so freaking long, and it, and it's weird that in this age of you know sexy beers, you know milk, <laughs> <laughs> blueberry build blueberry milkshake IPAs and stuff like that, that that just that beer that hasn't changed this whole time is still that sought after. So that that's pretty cool. Absolutely, absolutely. To take me to Trappist, uh, I think it's just so cool. I'm slightly disappointed that you thought about it before me, but (laughs) 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 Uh, a a beer themed metal band. So, so uh, take, I want to hear the whole, how this came about and how many, how many beers deep you were in the conversation. Yeah. Yeah. Um, well, I, you know, obviously there's been bands who just write about like beer and, but it's all just had like that party angle. It's just like, yeah, you know, case of bud, party, beer, beer, beer. Bands like Tankard, which I love Tankard. Tankard's a great band. Um, but all their songs are about, like, partying. And I just thought um, there's always been a, a sense of humor to pretty much everything I've ever done. And uh, I just thought, like, wouldn't it be kind of funny to do a beer-themed band but focus on, like, you know, fine beer. Like, no, I'm, we only drink from tulip glasses. And like, you know, you're, you're espousing the virtues of, of fine beer and just like, you know, the craftsmanship behind it and, and really admiring that and starting to, starting to get into brewing terminology instead of just like that, just that bro mentality of just like party, chug, chug, chug. Just like, no, we're going to, we're going to talk about, you know, extending your pinky, holding your tulip glass <laughs> <laughs> serving it at the proper temperature. Yeah. <laughs> which, which more craft beer establishments should get behind? <laughs> Absolutely. No, I was talking to our, our drummer is uh, Ryan Harkins, who um, he's a co-owner of this metal-themed uh, burger place called uh, Grilla Mall. Yes, of course. Yeah. Yeah. And so we've been friends for a while. He moved out here from Cleveland with with. Uh, with Matt Chernis, who who runs a business with them, and um, I met him. God, what was it? I don't know, seven years ago, something like that. Um, but at that time, you know, he he was really into to craft beer as well, and and he he was in the had played a bunch of punk bands and everything. And my initial thought was just like doing kind of like a one off project. I'm like, oh, it'd be funny. Like, let's just do like a discharge sort of band. Um. But all songs about beer and just like, but all lyrics about like good beer, you know, (laughs) but like, but just, but make it like super crusty and have just like, um, you know, the usual World War II 
photos of, of planes dropping bombs, but like the, the bombs will be kids and be <laughs> fucking stupid. <laughs> but it was like, let's just get together and we'll just do some just simple D-beat songs and, and then just you know record something really quick and down and dirty. And it was just the two of us. And we, we practiced a few times. And um, and I really wanted to record, but I, I was like, it's kind of, it'd be easier to record if we had, because I was playing guitar, and he, he was playing drums. And I was like, instead of overdubbing, it'd actually be better if we just had someone else play with us, and then we could just play everything live, and it would be, it'd be easier. So my friend Phil Vera, who we played together in Despise You, and uh, he's in Crom. It was in 16 a long time ago. He's been in a bunch of bands. Um, I hit him up, and uh, and he was into it. And then when we all, the three of us jammed together, we started writing other songs that were actually, you know, beyond the scope of just like the simple D beat sort of thing. And and it all kind of gelled, and, and we all just had such a good time just fucking around together and, and coming up with just silly ideas, just beer themed stuff, and just cracking up and like. No, actually, we could we could write something that's a little more substantial and and start write you know kind of have a wider range of songs and and Phil is more of like a metal guy and you know his you know some of his favorite bands are like Iron Maiden and, and stuff like that and so he brings that element of just kind of a more metal background into it and just it it was I, I like the challenge where it kind of rewired my brain as far as how I approach songwriting and. You know, not like our songs are super complex or anything, but but <laughs> what I'm getting at is that um, you know when the three of us started playing together, I'm like, oh, this is we we can kind of go any direction with this, and there's so many different you know different types of of there's so many different avenues we can explore because you know on the on the album, well, the, the one album we have a bunch of stuff recorded that isn't out nice. yet. But on the one album, the one album that's out, uh, the Ancient Brewing Tactics. Um, I mean, there's songs on there. That, there's a couple songs that are just straight up kind of like rock songs. We've got like D beat songs. We've got some, you know, shorter, thrashier songs and like sludgy tune and just like stuff that it's just all stuff that we that we like. So. That's amazing. And then they the, t- tell me about the reception uh, from from the metal community and from the brewing community. It's been really good. I mean, everyone's everyone's been into it, and of course, you know. I mean, from the metal community, you're always going to get haters, no matter <laughs> no matter what you just, do. Because just like your mom against Kiss when you were saying, yeah, yeah, exactly. And that there's someone's always going to criticize what you're doing. It's like ah, whatever, <laughs> whatever. <laughs> Stay at home on your computer. <laughs> they don't come to the shows anyway. Yeah, exactly. Um, that's the thing. I'm not writing the record for you. Um, but you know, it, it, there's just a lot of like-minded people that came out of the woodwork, and a lot of uh, yeah, a lot of brewers appreciated it, and and we got a great reception from the brewers. I mean, not just the the fact that um, it was about craft beer, but the fact that you know, kind of lyrically, a few things here and there would make references to things that like certain people in the brew in the brewing community may only know about. You know, things like that. You know, like him to Ninkasi, which is like, it's not it's not about Ninkasi Brewery. It's about like the actual, there's like an ancient Sumerian script, which is like a, a, a like a ode to the goddess of hmm. beer. You Very know, cool. Which is like written in, 
you know, probably written in cuneiform on a, <laughs> <you> know, <laughs> a clay pillar somewhere. Nice. Uh, the, tell me about uh, who are some of the, apart from Dave Whitty, who would be some of the big metal heads that you have ran through, aside from myself too, that are huge into craft beer? That's a good question. I don't, I don't know because, it, it, you know, you go to something like the... Um, you know, like the decibel metal and beer fest and you know you run into everybody and everybody's into it and it's just it's apparent that that the communities are very much kind of hand in hand you know unless there's someone who just doesn't like to drink which is respectable but i mean i think everybody everybody gets it you know if if people weren't into it before they i think they i've, I've seen over the years a lot of kind of my you know contemporaries kind of slowly like come around and years later be like oh yeah fuck yeah did you get that barrel <laughs> age whatever <laughs> like, like really you're into that okay that's cool oh the smoothie the smooth the smoothies will get everyone into it don't worry it's just <laughs> a matter of time <laughs> yeah exactly uh, who would be some of the the premier metal brewers from around the globe well i think probably the, the granddaddies of them all would be three floyds for sure. I mean, that was like the, they're kind of like the OGs of, of that crossover and just like extreme beer when extreme beer actually meant something, you know, the time when, when Adam put out that, uh, you know, that guide to extreme beers, that, that book, um, at that time it was unique, you know, and as you, obviously as, as we've gotten into Nowadays, like there's just there's just so much out there, and there's so much that it's not like a a novelty anymore. Whereas at that point, it was just like, whoa, there's a ghost chili beer, no way, you know. It's like it's unique, or the fact that there's a, you know, like a fourteen percent barrel aged beer is like it, it, at that point it was very uncommon. So, um, but I mean, Three Floyds was was the first one, as far as I'm concerned, who who really focused on, hey, you know, we like all these bands and we like doing this kind of beer and we're going to cross over and we're going to reach out to, you know, whomever. We're going to reach out to Cannibal Corpse and... Amber Smash Face, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. We're going to do... We're going to reach out to Pig Destroyer and do beers with them. We're going to, you know, reach out to everybody. So they're they're kind of the, the biggies. Um, Awake Brewing... Is is awesome, and they they've collaborated with a lot of bands. Um, I know Cosmic Eye in uh, in Lincoln, Nebraska. They've they've done some music crossover stuff, but it's like I don't know, there there's so many out there now, which is great. I mean, it's a it's a great it's a great time to to be into good beer. That's for sure, because you don't have to, you don't have to seek it out. Really, it's definitely <laughs> a competitive market. That's for sure. Yeah. So, so I, I encourage them all to just keep going, be creative, but stay true to your roots, and, and uh, don't don't try to just jump into the fads right away. No, seriously. I mean, there's, and actually, that uh, another brewery up in uh, Portland, uh, Wayfinder, um, was co-owned by Matt Jacobson, who's uh, one of the owners of Relapse. Uh, yeah, it, the Wayfinder is phenomenal, and. Um, you know, their, their head brewer up there, Kevin Davey is, he's awesome. And he, he focuses on just traditional styles, just traditional. He, he doesn't, I, they've probably done a hazy at some point, but that's not their focus. They're, they're on to 
they do like clean they're about doing like a clean pills a clean hellas or just something that's just like straightforward like traditional style but really really well done good good crispy 2020 that's that's one good thing that's been happening yeah. in 2020 i've been seeing a big return of loggers and uh crispy yeah. boys. It's, it's a very i i appreciate it very much absolutely yeah i'm i'm, I'm the same way it's like you can only drink uh you know what what they actually the guys at uh the guys at wayfinder were the first ones who i heard this term from stunt beers yeah which is like you know just everything where you know <laughs> all, all crazy crazy yeah hop, yeah just hop burn stuff that's just totally ridiculous yeah yeah stunt beers <laughs> but um but no i, I like the I, i've appreciated that in recent years and i, I kind of came around too because i you know I wanted to seek out all the extreme beers as well. I wanted to try the ghost chili one and every barrel age, whatever. And I still like that stuff, but, but I think after pursuing that for so long and then just having like a really fucking good Pilsner is like, Oh wow. Like there's something to be said for this. This is like the fact that you can pull this off is this is equally as, as impressive. There's a reason why the Czechs have been doing it for hundreds of years. <laughs> yeah. Hmm. Turns out, turns out they knew what they were doing. Huh. What do you know? <laughs> uh, Chris, one, one last question. Uh, I'm sure it never happens to you because you're very organized and in control, but uh, if it does ever so happen, uh, what is your hangover cure? I don't really, I've never, I've never figured one out. I mean, my, my biggest hangover cure is not to get a hangover, but, um, I actually have kind of a pretty good internal compass as far as drinking. Like I, I have this feeling most of the time when, when I know I've hit my limit, and, and there's just something, something about my body when I, I, I reach this point, and I consciously tell myself, okay, if you have more, you're gonna feel really horrible <laughs> tomorrow. And sometimes I, I listen to myself, and sometimes I don't. I usually do. <laughs> I usually do, or I just drink a shitload of water and then like give myself an hour and then I'll drink some more. But in general, I mean, hangover wise, I've tried all the different like, oh, hey, have a greasy breakfast, have a whatever, have a can of Coke and two aspirins. And no, none of that has ever been like surefire anything. I just for me, I just probably the thing that works the best is to find a way to go back to sleep. Mm-hmm. That's the only way that I've felt better is that if I wake up feeling totally fucking horrible, I just drink as much water as I can and then I just make myself sleep. And almost always, after I get up from that second round of sleep is when I feel better. Mm-hmm. So. Prevention is always the best medicine, right? <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> or, or just don't go there in the first place. But it, it comes with the territory. <laughs> yeah, it's true. It's true. And it's, yeah, no, it's especially when you're when you are out of town and that that's I mean, that's a big problem when, whenever i'm traveling it's just like god there's just so much to take in, in such a short amount of time that's when i'm like i i have to i have to try everything i'm gonna kick my own ass if i don't try as much as i possibly can while i'm here and just maximize my my time being in in this city you know wonderful wonderful uh chris thank you so so much for taking the time drink some craft beer with me i really really appreciate it Cheers, and uh, looking forward to uh, sharing a brew in real life very, very soon after the apocalypse. Yes, definitely. I hope that's soon. Cheers. All right, cheers. Thank you.
Hey, thank you all so, so much for listening right to the end. You know that I love and appreciate that. I love hooking up with fellow metal and craft beer people. It is amazing. And I was blown away and surprised to find out that yet again, Dave Whitty's name comes up as the primary influence as to how they stumbled into the world of craft beer. I, I just can't get over how many people Dave Whitty has helped usher into this amazing passion. Massive shout out to Chris Dodge. I love everything that he's doing. You guys should absolutely go check out his column in Decibel called No Corporate Beer. It is amazing, super informative, and funny. I love it. And of course, go check out his band, Trappist. I hope you guys have an excellent weekend. I hope you guys get to relax. I hope you guys get to uh, unwind a little bit. Don't forget that Vox and Hops is brought to you by Sound Talent Media. I'll be back next week with two episodes. But until then, remember to enjoy life, metal, and craft beer. Cheers, Vox and Hops heads. Hey, what's up? This is Blake Wyland. I'm the host of the Tone Mob podcast. It's a show where I interview guitar people about guitar stuff. We talk about their pedals, their amps, their accessories, their preferences, all that stuff, as well as a healthy dose of whatever comes up. Topics have ranged from aliens to addiction and anywhere in between. Oh yeah, and pizza. We're definitely going to be talking about pizza. So get the show wherever you're listening to this podcast at. Just search The Tone Mob in your search bar and it will pop right up. Come join us. We're having a lot of fun. Thanks for checking it out.